Major, Sergeant Major Brown, who uh, spent okay, well, his name's now on the podcast. The Wonderful, <laughs> buddy. Wait till you hear the story I got to tell about this week. It is, it is uh, interesting. Oh yeah, oh, you're yeah. right, Chris. The viewers go way up when you play this intro video. Holy cow! They hold. Yeah, they. We hold. always awesome. start. We always start high, but having that video instead of just dead air holds way better. Here comes here comes Buddy's part. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I have to watch this now. I have to, now I have to watch the podcast. Great. At least we're well, getting yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I love That's how Parent good. of the Year is in quotes too. <laughs> Alabama parent oh. of the year five years in a row. That's all. That's that was that was a beautiful Travers. <laughs> we got to give Travers credit on that one. That was I that am. was magnificently that. stated. Today. That was wonderful. We're up to a hundred viewers already. Holy cow! Uh, dude, if yeah. you're listening, Kevin, what a freaking job! Love it. I really wish I. I really wish I had more than one uh, um, device that could get on the internet so I could. You're walking. Are, are, are we rolling? Are we rolling right. sponsor now? Rolling sponsor. Okay. You guys are still good. We've still got to roll the opener. Yeah. Yeah, the opening song. So uh, I've got a buddy that's now Rolling opener. Rolling opener. What? Why are you fucking saying what he just said? We could all hear To shut you up. We're not on a fucking airplane, idiot. We don't have to, like, <laughs> 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. There we go. <laughs> 10 seconds. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I know you want to, Nick. Five. Just say it. Two, one. Hey, happy Saturday, trash talkers. Let me start off real simple. Fuck grunt style. Okay, we said it. Son, it's over with. Okay, shout out to our sponsors. All right, we got Ventura Training and Athletics. You just heard it. Okay, go get your body right. That's the only way you're ever going to actually feel better. I mean, weed helps, but go get your body right. Uh, then we also got Zach Farkas. We can't say Cardinal Financial anymore. He has left the, sh- he has left the mothership. He's branching off on his own. That's another big story coming. And then we also got 10th Mountain Bourbon. Okay, make sure you put in that VTT code and uh, get yourself a discount. Get your cordial like Buddy Beckwith likes to drink. And then, of course, we have NeuroFlow. All right, NeuroFlow, we have guests on here. Go check their website out and uh, give them some business as well. Well, Dave's not here. Okay, Dave is learning how to be a leader, and that's fine. Um, I mean, he's a recruiter. Do you, really, do you really need leaders in recruiting? Maybe, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll, let that, uh, we'll let that answer itself. Today, we welcome Joshua Kaufman. All right, he's a storyteller. He's a storyteller. All right. So uh, really exciting. Maybe we'll know. We're going to find out anyways. And of course we got Joe and buddy. They are here. Okay. Now I, I'm the big Earl. Okay. I, I did miss last week. All right. And uh, I was, what saying, were you doing last week, Nick? We were I, I'm, the, going, uh, I'm going to explain it. Okay. Some so I, I did, uh, I did join a country club with my Biden bucks and uh, it's a, uh, it's a really nice country club. So I also got to say goodbye, all right, to a going away party with a command sergeant major now promoted uh, Bach. And he, uh, it's, it was his going away party. And he was a quasi mentor of mine. All right, I have to say quasi because when I'm in big Earl mode, I know everything. 
So it's really hard to mentor somebody who knows everything. Uh, but you know, he's a phenomenal human being, but we have to say, we have to give him our prayers and our thoughts have to go with him because he has, he had an illustrious 16 year career in Ranger regiment and the wheels are falling off. Okay. He had, he had to go work at Tradoc. All right. And now he has to go PCS to a fake airborne unit. All right. He has to go to the one Oh one. All right. It's just, just, you know, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. He's just not ready for that. All right. But they're, they're not a fake airborne unit. They're not an airborne unit. They're not an airborne unit. They don't even act like they are at this point. So you first hang on to that first 16 years, Sergeant major, because the rest of it's shit. Okay. So keep them in your, keep them in your prayers guys. Uh, and then, uh, I gotta, before I give it over to Joe, I gotta talk about something. All right. Like, so I got triggered this week. All right. I, I, I was, I was getting triggered by an average person. All right. And so I had to, I had to reflect back to my own book. All right. The book of Earl where you just, once you figure out you're talking to an average person, right? You just, you, you just push them away, right? They, they, they suck. Okay. Average people suck and it's okay to be average, but if you want to be better than average, you can't surround yourself with them, right? You just can't. And we always talk about it though. You should surround yourself with people that lift you up. All right. Now, the only time you should really insult somebody is when you're pushing them to be better. Like when Joe says, you know, I don't have the time I'm working too much. Right. I say, I don't give a fuck, Joe. All right. Do more. Okay. So yeah, I'm kind of being an asshole, but I'm pushing him to be better. Okay. Or like when Perry says, I don't got the time. Well, you make the fucking time. All right. So again, if I, if I do something great and I'm doing something and I have something better than you. Okay. Just be happy for me. That's all I'm saying. Just be happy for me. Anyways, Dave, that's how you intro the show, uh, just in case you were wondering. So make sure you take some notes. And uh, again, if you're going to talk trash about a battle buddy of yours, it, it shouldn't be out of jealousy. And uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, some of, some of you want to be me, and that's okay. But uh, stop being average, okay? So, Joe, over to you. Whew. I couldn't get over with quick enough. Anyways, um, he always asked me, Nick always asked me what got me triggered this week. And besides, you know, Nick uh, ushering me to make a 26th hour in my day, I'll tell you what triggered me. Um, it was Tuesday morning, buddy. I'll paint the scene for you because I want you to hear this one um, because you might be looking down the barrel of the civilian world real soon. So this does happen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so maybe. So I'm getting on the freeway, right? And there's two lanes. I'm in the left. I got to get over to the right. Well, this work van's flying up in the right. So I do what a working man would. All right, he's got to get to work. I slow down to let him over. The kid stays in my blind spot. So I'm like, hey, moron, I'm trying to let you over. Go. Well, my intersection's coming. So I speed up and get in front of him. And this 19-year-old twerp takes that as a sign that I cut him off and uh, his sign to show me what a big man he was. So I'm on the phone with my wife, and I'm like, this fucking kid's pushing me down the freeway trying to get on the exit trail. I'm like, all right, whatever. I, I don't have time for it. I'm still maintained. And all of a sudden I get on the freeway. I'm like, I'm getting all the way over the fast lane. This kid can go, whatever. And he gets over with me, except in the next lane over so he can ride up. Could I have driven off and gotten away? Yeah, but I thought I'd slow down. 
Because by this point, I was a little annoyed. And I was like, you know what? I want to see what he has to say. Why so aggro, kid? You might not like the reaction, but let's talk. So he pulls up alongside of me. He's got the window down. And I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase here. But I believe what it was said was, <laughs> I said, young man, you don't have enough ass to make the mistake you're about to make. I'll fucking eat you. I'll eat two of you in two minutes. You ain't going to be able to do anything about it. Just drive on. This is where the story gets interesting. The kid then quivering because somebody challenged him like any other coward that has one pulls a fully loaded pistol and points it into my car. If my window was up, he would have been able to hit it with the fucking pistol. At this point, then I grip my teeth and I'm like, motherfucker, I'm, kill you. I'm like, you're fucking dead, man. Yeah. I was like, pull over right now and bring the gun with you. Yeah, turn it off. I'm gonna... Does he Buddy, know? stop yelling at yeah. your kids. Yeah, don't quit beating your kids. Anyways, uh, that's so, the second time today. So the kid pulls the pistol and points it at me. And I'm like, all right, then I get really mad. I leave the planet. I'm not even going to go where I was at because it was it was it was aggressive. Um, there was threats made. So once that was said, and this is how they raise them down south, buddy. You ready for this? The kid puts the pistol down because he realizes I'm going to the I'm going to the grass with you right now. And we're going to you're going to have to make a decision. And he decides he doesn't want that. Drives by me in a work truck with a phone number three feet tall on it. I'm like, oh, kid, you're fucking history. Please so I tell me you called I did what a civilian would do instead of a paratrooper for the first time. And I called the number and I said, I'm not going to get aggressive because you're not the one that did this, but I need the owner. And you need to tell him that unless there's an emergency with his family, this is the most important business call he'll make in his life because I will shut you down if I don't hear from you by 12 p.m. The owner was on the phone with me 30 seconds later. And I said, you got two options. I said, you can have that kid meet me at the yard and we'll go around the corner for 10 minutes. He ain't going to work again, but that's about the end of it. Or you can get him off the road because he's going to burn your business to the ground. If I'm, if I am who I say I am, I'm from, I'm for American entrepreneurship. I'm for the mom and pops going out and trying to make their own money. I don't want to ruin this guy's life. He didn't do it. But I was like, bro, you better pull this kid off the road. Cause this kid's such a fucking coward that just one simple ass chewing. Who's to say he doesn't pull the pistol on your ass next. How many kids do you have? And so what I'm telling you is buddy, when you go out there, you're going to run into some of this shit. You're going to run into kids. That it's like, dude, all I want to do for self-gratification is twist your neck around and have it pointing backwards. But that's a very expensive point to prove once you leave and go into the civilian world. So that being said, Kevin Travers, you're right. That's growth. Because 10 years ago, I'd have caught a murder charge. But, you know, you, you, you got to weigh the prices of the, the decisions you make. And if some 19-year-old male feminist with a sunken chest that I could eat a bowl of Captain Crunch out of, is laying on the road at my fucking feet and they look at my history, they're going to be like, Hey, you ever seen Con Air? Yeah. You're going up for life. You know, that's, that's what happens. So anyways, always keep your head because letting this kid know what you're capable, what I was capable of would have cost me the rest of my life. So anyways, that was my story for the week. And uh, yes, Nick, it got me triggered. <laughs> to, to be fair, Joe, I'm going to pass be, it back to you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. To be, to be fair, though, um, it's not just in the civilian world. The Army world has gotten the same way. 
to the point that like like I like I was saying pre-show, um, I got into a verbal altercation with a, another E nine or E eight in the United States Army, a man. And at one point, like it was like we were going at it. We were both being fairly unprofessional, and I told him that uh, I I told him what normally we would say, like suck my dick, dude, I don't give a shit. And I got a call from a sergeant major saying that uh, they would charge me with sexual harassment. I was like, you know that that's a doesn't really mean I don't want to suck my dick, right? Like I'm not I'm not down with that, but whatever. Yeah, yeah it's more it's more it's of a everywhere. kiss it's more of a kiss everywhere. my ass than an actual proposition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what you're saying there. Right. I got you. It's it's literally inundated our society, and at some this point, kid pulled a loaded weapon on me because I didn't back off. Hey, at least buddy, you I'm had a kid. You, at, at least he had a loaded neck, weapon. This kid's neck looked like a fucking orange sitting on a toothpick. It wouldn't even yeah. have been, I wouldn't even have told you guys about the size of this kid. I would have had to. It'd be like one of those fishing stories. I would have had to lie about the size if I laid hands on him. I would have been embarrassed when least, it was over. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't least, have been long. At least he had an actual gun. I had a kid at one point act like he was going to grab something. Like he acted like it was a gun, but he did not have a gun. And I was like, come on, dude, this is the wrong town. And nobody in this town gives a fuck about your gun. They will literally take it from you and beat mm. you to death with your own shit. You're in the, and that, that was, that well, was I, let him, I let him, I let him, I let him know, put that back down. You don't have the balls to like, use that. Put that gonna, back down. And I also told him, I also told him, hey, guess what? This is a menace to society and the fucking sights are on the top, you idiot. You know I did tell him that. Funny? You know what's super funny is that people, civilians pull a gun on people and they think that there's going to be a reaction and for other civilians there probably is a reaction like oh shit they pull a gun on like a veteran that's had guns pulled on him and the reaction is completely opposite it's like oh you got a gun that's supposed to be fucking scary bitch let's do this i just i just rubbed a layer of enamel off my teeth when he did it i just gritted my teeth together a little harder like you stupid bastard now we're gonna pull over and you're gonna die instead of getting yeah Put your dick beaters up. Let's dance. Yeah, <laughs> right. You want to do the man dance? First dance is yours. I'll fill this whole damn street full of uppercut. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Anywho, so uh, on the mic. So, uh, hey, I know, I, Perry, I know Perry's watching. Hey, that's a shirt right there. We need to make that a shirt. I'll fill the street full of uppercuts. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, so uh, my honesty cap is usually something that has something to do with the veteran community. This week, not so much. Kind of does, in a way. Maybe some mentorship. I've been noticing uh, that there are a lot of younger fellows that apparently have a bunch of Biden bucks also. Instead of going to country clubs, Nick, they are jacking up their truck, but only part of it, like the front end. The North Carolina look, I think it's called. It's actually like the Baja look, because if you jump in Baja, it makes your truck land correctly thing. But they're jacking up $50,000 Silverados just in the front and driving around and I don't get it looks like I have kids it looks like your truck has a dirty diaper it looks like it's got a shitty diaper driving down the road friends should not let friends jack just it like you got like your jack you, you got your fucking lift kit on layaway that's what it looks like like it's driving up it either looks like it your truck has a shitty diaper or like you know when you when when you have to poop and it hits you all at one time and you get that frog ass where like your butt cheeks are trying to clench your butthole shut so it doesn't like turtle head out and you shit your pants 
and you're trying to get to the shitter, you can't run because if you run, the gravity and the bouncing is going to knock that out. So you got to walk, but you got to do that clinch walk. That's what your truck looks like. Stop fucking jacking the front of your truck up, you fucking idiots. It looks it's dumb, a... and you're not going to jump it ever. Stop. It's a stress filled sprint walk. Oh my God, it's the worst because your butthole gets the muscle failure where it's just like doing the thing where it's like, oh, I really got to let it go. You want it can't to, hold on any longer. No, where you, like, you pull your pants down as you're sitting down and it's a total battle of back. It's like Jeff. Da- you know it's like what I'm Jeff. Da- dumb and dumber, Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for, <laughs> except for like it's all at once. Everything wants to come out. Anywho, that's my honesty cap of the day. Nice, nice. That was that was up. that was very very well done, buddy. And uh, like I said in the script, if you read it, Joe and buddy, part of it. I read pay part atten- of it. Pay attention to how to I the part that we are right now. Pay, I see where my name's at, and then I stop. Pay pay attention to where I shut the fuck up when you guys were talking. All right. So so the next time, the next time, Joe, you get your feelings hurt because you interrupt the guest. Okay, I'm going to be like, shut the fuck up, Joe. All right, just just stop talking. I'm gonna I'm gonna lend <laughs> as much credence to it as I usually do. Also, so rock on. So, I will too. So, buddy, what you're saying is we don't want to call it the North Carolina look. We want to call it the turtle head look. I think that we call it the dirty diaper look. It the looks dirty like diaper a kid. Look. It looks like a kid with a shitty diaper driving down the road. Like if if it was cars, like the movie Pixar Cars, it would literally be like Mater, but as a child with a shitty diaper. Drive down the road, mama, my mama, my butthole got shit all in it. It's what it looks like. It's the fucking worst. Can, it could Ken, take off. Kenneth Stratton says it's called the grippers. So apparently he knows all about this. Uh, hey Kenneth, if you will, in the comments, please explain. What is it? Please, please argue with Buddy in the comments. It's called the grippers. All right. So, There's- so please argue with Buddy in the comments of why we should do it. All right, because that would be. That would be funny. Okay, so let's see if we can let's see if we can get an argument to buddies. Uh, don't be, don't do the dirty diaper with your truck. Okay, don't does do the, it. Does the, does the shitty diaper look give you more traction? Because it's a pickup truck. It ain't got it in the back. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 and tread give traction. Drop at I the do, bottom. They give it shit. Angles don't work. Before I introduce our guest of honor i did forget to give a big shout out to uh kevin travers who put that video together i also want to give uh the pre the, the waiting screen so i appreciate all you guys on grunt works and youtube sticking around to uh, watch the show uh again we are veteran trash talk uh grunt works has done a tremendous job of uh, streaming us on their platform and so support veteran-owned companies all right go shop grunt works all right shop veteran trash talk.com do all that. That's why I said fuck grunt style. Then I have owned by veterans anymore. So screw them. Uh, and so let's knock them off the top and let's put another veteran owned company on the top. That's what we should do as veterans. With that being said, another big shout out to Andrew. Andrew does our songs. So we, we haven't given him thanks. And we'll give a big thanks to our fake Asian in the back. He's listening right now. He's doing all the producing. And uh, like, again, he's a fake Asian because he's not Asian, but he's as smart as one when it comes to technology. So we, we call him, we call him the fake Asian. Well, this is this is interesting. I uh, I saw something on the book of faces, you know, a few months ago, and it was from our uh, an old uh, former Marine, current Army officer, Joel Noland. All right, uh, he posted something about something super cool. This guy Joshua Kaufman doing bourbon and battles, and I was like, huh, 
let me message this guy. So I messaged this Joshua Kaufman guy, and it turns out he's a failed infantry officer uh, that thought he was so much better that he would get out uh, and save the world that way. Um, again, we make fun of you in the song. So instead of, you know, being an accomplished infantry officer, he decided to tell other people's war stories and, mm -hmm. uh, don't be average, but, man. Yeah. Don't be average. Uh, so I remember I'm talking shit to, to push you forward. Okay. So that's, I, I don't want to, I don't want to see you go down. I want to see you go forward. I want to see you blow up. I want to see you to be the best podcaster on the planet. That being said, he is going to give us a special bourbon and battles today. He's going to use our platform and hopefully all of you watching go subscribe to his platform because this is going to be awesome. Joshua Kaufman, welcome to the trash talk hour. And uh, thank you for your service, sir. And then uh, let's, uh, let's hear what you got. Thank you guys for having me. Um, thank you for the intro. Thank you for all the stories. Uh, I don't know how I can follow all those um, <laughs> possible criminal actions uh, with uh, the story I have, but I will do my best. Uh, I would like to first start out by talking about bourbon and how I kind of got started in it. So um, the army uh, saw in its great wisdom to start me out at the greatest division in the history of the world, the 101st Airborne Division. You missed it by oh. a bunch of numbers. It's, uh, it's lower than it's 82nd. There it is. It's there that is. one. The greatest division. Uh, Maybe in 1940. Not even then. Not even actually. Not even then. Google, yeah. Google said you're wrong. My back was stiff. My back was stiff. That was just tight. Remember, remember there's words to live by. There's only one unit. There's only one regiment and there's only one division. All right. So keep going. Sorry. Sorry, Joshua. We had to cut you off because we just can't allow that kind of heresy. All right. Like just can't do it. So sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. So anyway, at this, uh, at this uh, first duty station, which is right on the Kentucky Tennessee border, I uh, got super into bourbon, went to all the distilleries there and uh, fell in love with it. So Fast forward a few years and I was getting ready to get out of the army and I found myself still missing talking about the army, talking about history, talking about uh, strategy, tactics, things like that. Um, and I kind of came up with this idea for bourbon and battles where I would review whiskeys, American whiskeys, bourbon and rice and um, do a battle on American history. Uh, bourbon is a uniquely American product. Uh, it has to be made in America to be called a bourbon. And uh, I thought I would stick with that and make it uniquely about American battles in our history. Um, so this was one of the first battles that caught my eye and really was like, how do I not know about this? I, I'm a history nerd. I've never heard of this before. People need to hear this. And uh, please feel free to interrupt questions. Do your thing. I'll try not to insult the 82nd anymore and, and bring upon your wrath. I'll, I'll try not to do that. Um, but this, uh, this first battle, uh, it's called the Battle of Wabash. And there's a great book called A Victory with No Name by Colin Calloway uh, that I did to research this topic. And he has a line in there and he says, quote, nations build their histories and shape their identities by telling some stories from their past and forgetting others. And this is absolutely one of those stories that we have forgotten uh, as a people. So just a little bit of background. Um, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. 
you get the big three that kind of divide up America, right? You get Spain, they take the Caribbean, all those nice vacation resorts, they take up Florida. Uh, you get the French that take up Louisiana all the way up to uh, Canada, and you get the British or English colonists that settle along what becomes the 13 colonies, right? And they kind of just divide up the new world. Um, so the French will really become close with a lot of these Indian tribes. And I, and I say Indian here, I've had people stop and ask me questions and, and try to correct me because there seems to be some uh, wonder of, of what's the proper name to call the indigenous peoples of America. I don't want to offend anyone here or trigger anybody. Um, the proper term is American Indian, unless you're talking, exactly, exactly. Proper term is American Indian. Uh, some prefer Native American, but American Indian is proper term, unless you can delineate a specific tribe, right? Uh, like the Miami or the Shawnee. Uh, so please no one get triggered by this, but good, good football team, Miami. Yeah. Yep. That one. Hey, sir, just uh, a word of wisdom. You can stop being, you don't have to be an officer, so you don't have to go through the whole, like, yeah, this thing you can you trigger anybody okay. you want here. Yeah. It's fine. I know. I, I, I need to get out of the officer, officer gym. I, I'm in the, uh, I, I'm hanging out with the enlisted folk, right? All of you were yeah, a swine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were my favorite swine. I've, I was the most self-hating officer, uh, mostly because people like Joe Nolan, who resented me for things like my looks and my height. Yeah, um, the Joe does. Uh, funny, maybe it's just the name Joe, because uh, Joe on our show doesn't like tall people either, because they beat him in combatives. Fake news, I'm sure. I'm sure, Joe. Um, you know, honestly, uh, Josh, I, I don't. I don't like that tall person because he hasn't changed the record in 20 fucking years. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Undefeated. I haven't changed. Uh, I mean, I've seen you tap. I've seen you tap quicker than a woodpecker. You just beat me that one time because I separated my shoulder. But yeah, Nick tapped. I was tired. If, I was tired. If, if tapping was cash, Nick would be an ATM. Trust me, I've seen it happen. It was quick. Being tired is a good excuse sometimes. So I dig that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think we've all heard of the French and Indian War, right? In, in Europe, it's called the Seven Years' War. It breaks out. It's What people don't realize is how much of a world war it was. So it was all over the world. It was in India. There's fighting in Europe, fighting in South America. It's kind of crazy. But here in America, it's the French and Indian War. And the French will ally themselves with a lot of these Indian tribes uh, that are in kind of like the middle of America. And they really love the French. The French come in there. They don't do a lot of settling. They don't try to take a lot of land. They do a lot of trading with these uh, Indian nations. Um, they make them rich by their standards. They upgrade. They, these people now have uh, home goods. Uh, they have muskets now, and they really make them rich. So a lot of these Indians will fight with the French and uh, side against the British and the colonials, right? So at the end of the war, comes to find out the, the British uh, win, at least uh, in North America they do, and they're given all of Eastern Louisiana. So now they gain everything east of the Mississippi River in between the Mississippi and the Appalachian Mountains there, right? All these states that are like uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, Indiana, that, that's, what, that's what they win. Now the British, they have to figure out how to um, uh, use this new land 
and they have to figure out on how they're going to what's going to be the law of the land. So they issue a proclamation from the king. It's called the Proclamation of 1763. And they essentially say in it that none of the colonists can move into this land. This land is Indian land. It's going to be an Indian preserve, which piss off a lot of the colonists. It's one of the first like kind of schisms between the people who were Americans and the British, right? Because they had been fighting for the British crown on the promise of land. A lot of times these guys weren't paid. They're just like, hey, if you fight for us, like we're going to give you some land out west, right? So that's the first thing that really starts to make the uh, people who have become Americans mad. Now, um, <clears throat> when the revolution breaks out, the Indians, again, they find, they find themselves in the middle of this and they have to pick sides, right? And after watching the majority of who are Americans encroach upon their land, they get super pissed off and they decide, hey, we're going to side with the British. Most of them do. Um, we all know how that war turns out. We now have uh, beautiful red, white, and blue American flags. Uh, you know, we, we beat the British somehow. We beat the evil empire and we win, right? So 1783, Treaty of Paris goes down. We send an all-star team. We send Ben Franklin, John Jay, Henry Lawrence, and John Adams over there to, to conduct this treaty. And the French, who are allies, say, hey, now you, now you get to have the 13 colonies. You, you just get to live here because they really don't want us encroaching upon the West either. And we look at the British and the British look at us and we're just like, you want to go talk in the back without these French guys? And, and we do, we, we sneak <laughs> away, we sneak away. And, and the British are like, hey, like, what if we just like give you all this land here? Because they want, there's a lot of French uh, settlers in this land. They don't, um, want the French to ever come back and take it. They would rather give it to us. The British aren't going to settle it anyway. Let the Americans figure out this Indian problem. We just want to trade with you guys. And we want to like kind of make you friends with us again. Um, so they kind of squeeze the French out and the U.S. will now get everything that's essentially called Eastern Louisiana. Everything east of the Mississippi River um, is now U.S. land except for Florida, right? Because Florida is still controlled by the Spanish and they're still down there doing their beach resort thing. So we win the war and everything's supposed to be great, right? But we are being governed under the Articles of Confederation, which is what the law of the land was before the constitution. And guys, it's, it's just a piece of shit. Like it's, it's horrible, it's very weak. Essentially all these states are like their own countries. Like they all have their own currencies. Um, the government has no right to tax at all um, to raise money, which some of you probably like. I, I'm seeing. Oh, yeah, you're going to get, get the Alabama boy. Oh, you're going to get the Alabama boy all fired up right now. Oh, man, you're getting people from Alabama talking about Confederation. Yeah. Alabama's you're, you're upset. You, you say the word Confederate, even though it has nothing to do with the Civil War, <laughs> with what you're talking about. It's it's full on now with Buddy. Buddy's talking about oh, reparations, man. dirt road, Sherman, all there's, kinds of stuff. There's one too many yeehaws in the crowd, Josh, from here on out, because I believe you're going to blow up. But if you get one too many yeehaws in the crowd down south, shut it down. All right, <laughs> okay. shut it down. Because he's coming. They, with they're uppercuts. about to turn it into all Tombstone day. Night at the Theater. I'm telling you. <laughs> guns guns um but anyway confederation right articles of confederation very weak 
they can't, they have to ask states for money. So they have to go to the states basically like they're doing a, a, a fundraiser, like, like it's the uh, Girl Scouts selling cookies and ask for money. And uh, they don't have any thin mints. So no one's buying anything. No one's giving them any money. Um, it's a really bad situation. You can't have an army without being able to raise taxes. You can't do all those things that, that governments do to function. Uh, we, Joshua, we, without thin mints, we didn't have an income tax and we had a Navy and an army. So uh, before you get buddy all triggered again, we'll just, uh, and the grunt works nation is probably going to get upset because they're a bunch of freedom fighters that hate any sort of organization. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I, I do believe that you don't come without thin mints though. I mean, they got Samoas. I I think you need to tax thin mints. And and actually, a lot of that uh, raising before the income tax was based off of uh, taxes placed on whiskey, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes. Those are called, uh, you know, what are they called? Moral taxes? Nobody makes you drink. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You just wake up in places like Alabama and you have to. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 all right. Yeah. First first should ball. be extenuating circumstances. A certain number of kids, you should be exempt. You should be allowed to drink. Alabama are is a cradle of society. It's not a huge deal. It's basically the new garden of Eden. And you guys are horrible people. You should really think about how you talk with that mouth. You kiss your mama with that? You shouldn't. Oh, man. Everyone always thinks they live in God's country, right? Oh, God bless them. Not people in Chicago. Yeah, except for the differences that God has blessed us with a bunch of people in Chicago draw the blinds at noon, Josh. They don't like it. God gave us Nick Saban, so you know it's true. I worry about the state of Alabama, Josh, when Saban retires. I really do worry. The state's going to crumble unless he runs well, for I mean, governor. Yeah, not God. really because he is, he is the highest paid state employee, so uh, he gets paid a considerably a lot more than a governor. Uh, but hey, we're at seventeen eighty. Where are we at? Seventeen eighty six. The Articles of yeah, Confederation. Yeah. It's exactly. Exactly. We're 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 moving right along. But we got some good things. Okay. So we we're trading with everyone. We got like this strategic neutrality, and we have all this land uh, that's now open to us. But just because it's ours doesn't mean it's really ours. Like the British, it wasn't really their land to give away because people live there. Indians live there. Um, and now this area is under new management. Now we run into a concept that we have lost in the West. Like we don't really understand it. And it's the idea of, of a people living within your borders or what's supposed to be your borders who are uh, ethnically distinct, have a different culture. And on top of that, they have the ability to make war. The closest thing nowadays that I can think of is like the Kurds in, in North Iraq and Turkey. Like, a people who are hard as shit, who, who maybe can't break away to form their own nation, but like you really can't come in there and mess with them. They'll, they'll mess you up. Um, so that's really what these Indian tribes were like. They were very strong. Um, and by the mid 1780s, the U.S. is already in like a low level kind of like um, coin operation with these Indians in this area. The settlers have started moving into Kentucky. And, and really just filling that state. And the Indians are not a fan of it. And they start pushing across the river, the Ohio River, into what's now Ohio and Indiana. And that's where the Indians draw the line. And there starts to be these low-level raids. And these Indians get together and they say, hey, we're, we're going to form a coalition. No one's going to sell to the Americans. But they really can't 
enforce it. Indians are are really it's it's the truest form of of freedom in some of these tribes at this time because there are chiefs, yes, there are leaders that are respected, but the individual is king. Like if if someone doesn't want to do something, they don't have to. If someone decides to to let Americans kind of move into his area, they can. And that's what starts to happen. It's more like a collective bargaining agreement that these Indians are trying to make. And, and they need everyone to stay strong and not sell. And, and they can't do it, right? And that's really where the killing begins. So you have all these boats that are coming down the Ohio River filled with, with immigrants, settlers, people coming to take land. And they start getting raided by Indians fairly quickly. Uh, you have all these little houses and, and settlements that pop up north of the Ohio River. And again, those things start getting raided. And um, there's counter raids and punches back and forth. And it's really hard to tell if any of this is sanctioned or not. It's almost like it's uh, the Indians will tell the Americans like, hey, we can't control our young men. Uh, very similar to things that we've probably heard in places like Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, hey, I'm not in charge of these people. Like they, they do what they want to do. Um, and the Americans could say the same thing. There's no one in, in Philadelphia, the capital at this time, controlling what these Kentuckians are doing. Like they're they're going back and they're counterrating on people who probably aren't even responsible. So it's really starting to become a bloodbath. Um, the Constitution comes in and now we actually have a means of, of raising funds and organizing. Uh, Washington is elected first president. And this is really when bad violence starts occurring where they are killing soldiers. Um, in June of 1789, there'll be a patrol sent out on the Wabash and they'll find a dead American regular. He's been shot twice. He's got two arrows sticking out of his back. He's scalped and he has no genitals. They are missing. So this is some uh, pretty grotesque, pretty um, brutal stuff that is starting to happen in this area. And Washington is doing everything he can to try to hold the peace. He's writing that he's writing the um, governor of this area, the Northwest Territory, as they call it, telling him, like, get control of this. We have to we have to maintain the peace. If we were to go to war with them right now, it wouldn't be just um, because a lot of times like American colonists, people in Kentucky are going over and starting things. Um, it, it wouldn't be considered a just war. Washington will give his first State of the Union in 1790. He talks about all the same bullshit that, you know, politicians talk about the State of the Union now. They talk about agriculture, commerce, whatever. But the first thing he talks about is defense. Now, if you're Washington, you could be talking about the British because the British are still holding forts on American land. In places like Detroit, and other areas in Michigan, there are British occupying forts on what's supposed to be American soil. So I would think that would be a problem. You could be talking about the Spanish who you're always worried about snatching uh, areas outside of Florida, but he's not, he's talking about the Indians. He's really worried um, in the State of the Union about um, a possible war breaking out because he's got other problems. He can't afford a war in this area of this remote area of the country. And to put it in perspective, how bad it's getting, um, in 1776, there are a thousand settlers in Kentucky. By the end of that revolution, there's only a couple hundred. But by 1790, in the first census, there's 73,000 people living in Kentucky now. They're spilling over the border into Indian land. 
Now, he's going to uh, authorize his governor in 1790, St. Clair, is the governor of the Northwest Territory, to send an Indian agent over into Ohio to make offer of peace, and it really doesn't go well. They basically run this guy out of town. Um, some of these weaker tribes will say they have to consult with the stronger tribes, like the Miami and the Shawnee. The Miami and the Shawnee will say, we have to talk to our British father in Fort Detroit. Um, but there will be a chief who's kind of like the acknowledged leader, Blue Jacket. And he basically tells them, as long as there's any settlers north of the Ohio River, there will be no peace. So the hammer finally falls in September of 1790. Well, we have uh, what I call Task Force Harmar will be um, built and sent off into these Indian lands. 1,400 soldiers will leave Fort Washington, which is now downtown Cincinnati, Ohio, and they'll be intent on destroying these Miami villages and burning all the crops. Now, this is not raids anymore. There can be no question. This is actual war. Um, he will launch this task force into the north, and there will be another task force that comes out of the west in Vincennes, Indiana, and they kind of form a pincer movement up into Indiana and Ohio. Now this, uh, the one in the West, it will reach a few abandoned villages, it will burn it, come back home. And Harmars, the larger force striking out of uh, Cincinnati, will reach the capital. It's a huge, sprawling Miami capital of Kekionaga is the name. Bunch of clusters of villages, crops for miles around. It takes them four days to burn it all. I don't think we really have a conception of how large an area this was. To take four days to burn stuff down is, is quite a lot. Um, he gets a little cute on his return back home, and he starts splitting his forces, and Indians uh, will consolidate their forces and will basically harry his retreat all the way home. And he ends up losing like 180 guys out of his 1,100-man uh, force that actually makes it up there. 73 of these being regular soldiers, which are uh, kind of hard to come by at this time. He claims victory, but he'll basically be kicked out of the army. They're like, yeah, no, that was not good. Uh, the Indians are clearly resolved now, and they start building this confederation again. And after this raid um, by Harmar, if you thought the raids back and forth, the tit for tat was bad, it gets really, really bad. Um, Indians will start going after any settlement north of the Ohio. In what's now Stockport, Ohio, uh, they'll kill 11 men, one woman, and two children in what's called the Big Bottom Massacre. In Dunlap Station, which is now Coleraine Township, Ohio, uh, there'll be a group of settlers that live in like this little um, compound. And they'll snatch, the Indians will snatch a surveyor outside of their little compound, bring him into view and torture and kill him uh, in front of these uh, settlers living in Ohio. It, it gets to be really bad. Everyone is terrified. Supposedly at this time, Indians will be so bold that they creep into downtown Cincinnati. And literally all these Americans living in this area are, are terrified and they demand something to be done. So Washington has to organize another attack and he picks uh, General St. Clair, that governor, to lead the attack. And it, it sounds like a smart idea on paper. He is a Revolutionary War vet. Um, Washington knew him very well. He served as an aide to Washington. 
Um, probably not the best pick though, because he's very sick. He's got gout. He's got like this inflammatory arthritis that he he's in his mid fifties. Like people don't. So he had gout, but still fought a war. I like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that I, I do have to cut you off for a little bit. Cause there are some comments going on here and you know, we what looks we like got? we got some, we got it's some probably people, Joel uh, Nolan. No, no, Joel Nolan's probably not man enough to show up to this right now. Um, no, but we have some good comments, good feedback coming in. And uh, it reminded me of something. One, here's the first joke, right? I noticed that you they said they came up through Ohio and not down mm-hmm. through Michigan because Michigan doesn't win anything. Ain't that right, Joe? Mm. About, I mean, about as much <laughs> as the school that you were for does. I mean, if not more. Or, hey, or, or all I'm saying is one. we can we can get into another battle. I think if there's they a really wanted those. to win. If they really wanted to win, they would have got General Saban out of Alabama. They would have got General Saban out of Alabama. <laughs> right? Actually, actually, buddy, you don't know his coaching history. He coached at Michigan State. That's yeah, where did. Alabama got him I, from. I Doofus. Yeah, yeah, that's where he got educated. He got educated in the north, buddy. He got educated in the north. Bear Bryant pictures and Nick Saban's hair, and that's all you know. All right, you haven't looked at shit. Uh, now cut you, it out. You, yeah, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua. I'm sorry. I started a football funny. conversation. No, this, it's this okay. What happens? Because football is battle. All right, so that's what it is. Yeah. And Michigan just hasn't won a battle in he keep, know, two fucking decades. Josh, uh, he's so, so hooked up. Like, he's so hooked on my reactions. He has to have them. He's like tapping the vein. Like Joe hasn't responded to me today. Well, you were sitting so there playing candy. It. You were playing Candy Crush on your phone, so I figured I I'd get you active. All right, at least at least since you bitched about that too before he started. At least Buddy's grilling, you know? So, uh, anyways. Hey, one of the comments is, Buddy, what are you grilling? I'm making bacon for this boy so he can have something for lunch. I thought he was taking, like, a 20-minute piss. The dudes that live in this house, we eat bacon. And then we have have bourbon. Was that Alabama's, too? Did they make both of those? So, Kevin said that Joe was a Michigan State fan, but uh, I'll let you handle Kevin later. Anyway, um... But there was another comment about saying it was genocide. So I'm glad all this history that you're bringing up. And then, but I had to remind the guy that it's like genocide wasn't even a word yet. All right. So um, genocide didn't become a word until the, you know, the Nuremberg war trials. And like, so, and that's why we didn't call what the Nazis did genocide, because that would say what we did to the Indians was genocide. So we had to kind of keep down the wraps. Uh, but hey, I love the information so far. Uh, before you go, before you start again, where can they find your podcast that explains all the battles that you talk about? Yeah, so it, it's on any, any, wherever you get your podcast, search Bourbon Battles. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Um, I, I think. Stitcher is one too. Pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, I think I'm listed on there. All right, you hear that, Trash Talkers and Grunt Works Nation? All right, go out on there, uh, subscribe to his podcast, uh, and let's support some more veterans. And these stories are, you know, it's history, so just pay attention, uh, especially you, buddy. All right, so this is probably the first time you got real history taught to you. I kind of thought, um, so, thought we were going to talk about the Battle of Snowshoes for a second, and uh, and 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 old Rogers and his Rangers. Yeah, we yeah. didn't. No, we didn't. But uh, we, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's a podcast on it. But so, Josh, we're at the point where he yeah, picks a general that has he picks a general that has gout and still found a yeah. way to fight a war, uh, and he's not from Michigan. So, okay, here we go. Yeah, it's not Nick Saban either. Just to clarify. So anyway, they they pick their general and he starts to organize his forces, and it takes forever for all their stuff to come in. A, a little tidbit for you here. 
at the end of the revolution, the government actually decided to kind of privatize and start farming out things to contractors, uh, things that we are now still very familiar with in the army with our stuff sometimes being made by the lowest bidder. Well, that is a problem for them at the time too. So they start getting all their weapons in. Uh, the powder is old. It's been damaged by water. The guns are in horrible repair. Everything, uh, all their tents are leaking. The shoes are too small, just your standard problems. And Washington, the, the dates start ticking by and Washington's telling them like, get a move on. Like you guys got to hurry up and get up there. Um, they're trying to get up there in the fall of 1791. And they're doing that because they're going to get there and they have two options. So they really want to build a fort right next to the Miami capital at Kekianaga, where they just got done burning it all. And it's just their idea of being to overawe these Indians to kind of separate them from the British and like, hey, we're in charge now. Or they have the option of burning these crops again. And if you burn the crops late enough in the season, we don't get this now because we all live our nice cushy suburban lifestyles, but you burn those crops late enough in the season, you don't have time to replant. Like you're going hungry that winter. It's going to be bad for you. And, and these Indians are having to go to the British and ask for handouts every time the Americans come in and burn their crops because they're starving. It is a crisis. Um, so that's what they want to do. And then he finally gets a move on in September of 1791. He's got about 1,400 troops, right? So he's got two regiments of regulars, which are, are pretty solid troops, the first and the second. He's got two regiments of levy uh, militia. These are like, think about National Guard, but on the federal level. These are troops that are called out from states like the National Guard would, but they're supplied by the federal government. And then they have some militia, like true states militia, uh, that kind of just men that have been rounded up from Kentucky. They have a company of dragoons, uh, mounted infantry, and then they have uh, a, a battalion of artillery with them, right? And their idea, like I said, is to move up there and build this fort. Well, supply is everything here. It's like going to NTC and JRTC. What stresses you out there, like, you can actually do good fighting there. Good units go there and they, they whip Geronimo sometimes. But what actually stresses units is the logistics of moving equipment, fuel, food around the battlefield. And that, that's their problem too. So they're going up into a true wilderness in Southwest Ohio and they're building roads. They're literally building the roads as they go along, a two lane road uh, in two separate columns moving all the way north, right? And so, to maintain that tenuous supply line, they're going to have to start building forts along the way. So they start moving north and it's very, very slow. It is, they are creeping north and they, they get, they're like a couple of weeks into it and they get to their first fort, Fort Jefferson and, or Fort Alexander, sorry, uh, Fort Alexander Hamilton. And they get there and it's been two weeks and they're only 20 miles away. They're having, they have a horrible rate of march. <laughs> it's just so slow. They're dragging all these, uh, all these uh, cannons along these roads are having to hack these roads out of the woods. On top of that, they have camp followers, which is not a thing anymore, but think about bringing your wife to JRTC or NTC or uh, overseas, uh, wife and kids, cooks, um, all kinds of people who, who don't necessarily belong in the army and it's going to slow it down. So 
they continue moving and the weather gets worse and worse. It starts to get fall. It starts to get cold and it'll get hot again. Um, they start seeing signs of Indians as they move forward. They'll find small little cabins with like literally deer still, still roasting on the fire. Um, and it, it, when you read about it, you get this creepy sensation like these guys are being watched. They're being followed. The Indians know exactly where they are. They're a huge army. And of course, it's correct. They start having bad desertions. Like I'm not talking about one or two guys. I'm talking like 20 people will get behind a sergeant and just leave in the middle of the night, running back to Cincinnati. People are having very bad feelings about this expedition. They're running out of food. People, uh, soldiers will get caught by Indians in the middle of the night and be killed. So literally they'll wake up, they'll find horses gone, they'll find soldiers missing, soldiers dead. And it's just not a great feeling. Um, so around this time, after they reach their second fort, Fort uh, Jefferson, St. Clair, the general, the guy in charge, the guy with the gout, goes all the Gen way back General to Gout. General Gout. He goes all the way back to Cincinnati to organize the militia, um, which is, you know, as an officer, you kind of learn uh, how best to center yourself. Where can you best be to help your unit? And I don't think back in Cincinnati is a great now, place. I got. I got to stop you. You From go where I. You go where the officer is, goes. The officer him. goes. The officer goes where we tell them to go. Okay. Yeah. So you, you find the E eight. The eight goes. No, sir. You're gonna be right there. Okay. That's where the fuck you're going. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, General Gout didn't have a big Earl E eight to to tell him where to go. So he goes back to Cincinnati. And he leaves his second in command, Butler, in charge to keep going. Butler is also a Revolutionary War uh, soldier, so he's very experienced. And at one point, uh, Butler's like, all right, we're done with this cutting two roads bullshit. We're going to move down to one road, and we're just going to march up there. It's going to make it a lot faster. Well, by the time that St. Clair returns, he sees what they've been doing. He, he's coming back up these two roads, and now it's just one road. He gets there. And he finds Butler and dresses him down in front of the entire army. Like this is like a this is like when you see the battalion commander and command sergeant major yelling at each other in front of everyone. It's just whoa. Um, and and he's screaming at him for moving to one road for disobeying his orders. And after that happens, Butler is not going to talk to Saint Clair, the leader, uh, the, the general Gout. He's just going to quit talking to him, and it's going to have very disastrous consequences here. Um, so they leave that last fort, Fort Jefferson, and the day they leave it, they have a public hanging. They hang two soldiers for trying to desert. They hang another one for killing another one. Like there are tensions are high. Like this is did they this is did they say what kind of dessert it was? Was it like pie or was it? Something, was it something else? Was it, I, was it pecan, like I, Alabama I, pecan pie? I, if, if it was pecan pie, if I would probably, I'd probably get hung for that dessert too. I would. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. You should try it, guys. It's rich. It's, not, it's, yeah, it's almost like it's almost like when General Bragg had uh, the Irish conscripts down in Pensacola, and uh, the conscripts wouldn't fight because they seized a boat of molasses and went and made whiskey instead. So yeah, we got to talk about what kind of dessert you're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, the, the the deserting kind of desertion. <laughs> That's my fault. I don't know how to talk half the time, and then I start drinking whiskey Probably on an empty stomach in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Texas. You know, it's a thing. We 
we're barely qualified to speak English here. Oh, hey, um, hey, buddy, show that truly one more time. Hold on. Hold on. Show the, show the fucking on. truly one more time. It's the guy from Texas talking about Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> Was it? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. How, how is Eastern California these days? Get off of it's, me. You're going to talk about Alabama. Y'all can't even control Austin. Get out of here. And it's yeah, wonderful. Truly. It's a truly, it's a mango lemonade, truly, too. I don't give a damn what you think. <laughs> it's wonderful, buddy. I listen to Sweet Home Alabama from my Tesla. It's great. The song's racist. <laughs> uh, yeah. So where were we? Oh, yeah, we were on desserts, right? They were, they were getting hung for eating desserts. This is quickly falling apart. I got to get to the battle, guys. To the battle. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so, I was trying to provide background. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm, I was an officer. We're enlisted. It's like, like uh, Kenneth says on the thread. Can you put this in a PowerPoint for us? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Kevin. I, I will try to do that. Um, anyway, so they continue moving uh, out of this Fort Jefferson. They're getting very close to the Miami capital. Horses are starting to die. Men are sick. Uh, okay. I don't want to interrupt, but did you say Fort Jefferson? They moved out of Fort Jefferson? Yeah. Did they move? Did they move on up? Possibly to the from east the east side? side or the west side? To the east side, the, yeah. To the east side, <laughs> to a deluxe. Was it a deluxe apartment? Yeah, yeah. it was. It was, yes. buddy. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, truly got him all fired up. Yeah, I know. You got to quit giving him truly's in the morning. Oh man. Um, but they move out of this Fort Jefferson to their deluxe apartment. And uh, St. Clair is in a wagon. He's not leading the army. He's got full general gout. He's laid up in this wagon. He has to reduce rations to half rations, which, if you're wondering, is a half a pound of flour, which is about 800 calories worth uh, of your daily allotment. Um, kicks out a lot of these camp followers. Desertions are continuing to rise. And finally, they run out of flour. Like they have some cattle that they're, they're moving along, but they run out of food. And that night they have 60 militia dessert, desertion, dessert. They leave, they run away. They go back home to Cincinnati. Um, and this is the largest by far. So St. Clair's got a problem. His problem is he's run out of food. He knows he has a supply wagon coming up this road. He, he, he runs out of food and he knows he cannot miss one supply wagon. 60 men that just leave are enough to overwhelm it and take it. And that's what he's worried about. He's worried about this food not making it to him. So he sends uh, that first regiment of regulars, the soldiers he knows he can depend on, 300 men back down the road to chase these militiamen and to ensure that this food makes it through. Now, a couple of days later, they make it nine miles, which is the farthest, one of their farthest uh, in their day's march. And it completely wears them out. They get to this point and the weather's horrible. The men are exhausted, exhausted. They've made it about 90 miles from their start point. It takes them two months to do that in what takes you in a car about two hours a day. These men fall asleep onto what will become the battlefield the next morning. And they do no EA dev, no TLPs, none of that priority work stuff. These guys are exhausted. They basically just fall um, where they end up and, and go to sleep and rack out. They build these huge fires. And this battlefield, it is a bluff, right? 
Um, so roughly to, to think about it, um, if you hold up, you got an L of your finger, right? L. So your long finger here is, is the river, the Wabash River. And your thumb here is a small creek called Buck Run. In the crook of this L is the bluff that they camp on, right? And it basically a long, okay, now we're doing gang signs. Basically in a long rectangular uh, shaped area, they camp on this bluff. Well, St. Clair, the, the one thing he does do, he puts pickets out on the other side of this river. He sends the militia out there, about 300 guys, a couple hundred yards across that river. And these guys just all just kind of collapse too. Well, what they don't know in the middle of the night, uh, about a thousand Indians, which is roughly about how many men they have, are moving in around them, mainly uh, behind three leaders, um, the Miami Little Turtle, the Shawnee leader, Blue Jacket, and the Delaware leader, Bahangahilis. And these three guys- I was in a, a gay porn called Blue Jacket. Did the girls never come? Go ahead, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a big girl for you. Um, so these these Indians are, are moving in in almost a crescent moon shape to envelop uh, the, these Americans on this bluff here. And all throughout the night, uh, it would have drove NCOs crazy. Soldiers are shooting into the dark all throughout that night, waking everyone up. And they're saying, I, I see Indians out there. I, I see movement. There's something out there. And that's not unusual. There's a lot of Indies back in the day. Uh, these guns go off all the time. Uh, it would have drove y'all nuts. So finally, it gets so bad that that second command, General Butler, sends out a captain and 20 guys like, hey, go out there and see what they're shooting at. Like, go just see if, it, if there's anything there. So he sends this captain out. And this captain, it's completely dark, but he, there's enough light to see there is a shit ton of Indians around them. Enough that they turn around and just run back into the camp as fast as they can. And they report into General Butler. He sees them there and he's warming himself by the fire. And he's like, hey, General, sir, there are a lot of Indians out there. Like, I, I couldn't even count how many. They're all around us. Should I go tell St. Clair? And I don't know what it was. I don't know if Butler just didn't believe him, if he just didn't want to deal with St. Clair. Um, but General Butler tells him, like, no, go, go get some sleep, man. Doesn't alert St. Clair, never hears about it. Well, as the dawn cracks on the morning of 4 November, they start to hear things coming out of the woods. A lot of these men have never fought Indians before. They don't know what it is. It's the Indian war cry. And don't think of it as like the, uh, you know, the barbarians when they come out in, uh, in like a movie about Rome and they come out there and scream. It's like a yip, a howl. Like these guys think it's wolves. We're going we're gonna to need a demonstration. Them. I don't know if I can. I don't even know what it sounds like. No one knows. Yeah. Maybe something like a whoop. There, there like you that. go. There you go. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I, but we really have no idea what it sounds like. Um, I would leave that up to one of those tribes today to, to fill us in. But uh, it scares the hell out of these guys, and they don't know what it is. They start to wake up, and that militia unit that's on the far side of the river, they just get overwhelmed. They can't even fire a shot off. These guys come out of the darkness with tomahawks and clubs and, and, and uh, rifles and Hockey pistols. Sticks. Yeah, just, just overwhelm and crush this militia unit. 
Um, there's a man there in this militia unit named Samuel Wells. And what he doesn't know is one of the Indians coming out of the forest attacking him is his long lost brother who was taken by Indians and raised as an Indian, uh, his brother, William Wells, just completely, they overwhelmed this unit and he's lucky enough that he gets away. Um, they push into the American lines, they cross the river. You gotta imagine these guys scrambling up the banks of this bluff to get back to the main American lines with the Indians hot on their heels. So the Americans have some things going for them. They have a little bit of early, early warning here and they also have artillery. Remember they have some cannons, but they're gonna run into a uh, very much a trigonometry problem here. So these cannons are up on the bluff, right? They don't really aim down. They can a little bit, but not really. And this is called dead space, kids. I think you all know know about this. Right, they, right. So they, for those of you not for those of you watching, thanks for watching, still uh, sticking around. But uh, EA Dev is engagement area development, so that is very important to make sure it's your in the game is covered. But yeah, yeah. Well, they can't do it with their most casually producing weapon, which are these cannons. They can't get any of this uh, scatter shot into these Indians. They've they've went back and they found where these cannon balls have landed far away from the battlefield. They, they basically cause no effect that William Wells character climbs up the bank of, uh, of this encampment with a bunch of sharpshooters. And these cannoneers are still out there very much exposed on the edge of this escarpment and they kill all the artillery officers. The men that are left basically have to uh, spike their guns. They take their bayonets and they break them off into the tips of these cannons to render them useless, and they basically just abandon them. So very quickly, the Indians move to the right and move to the left, and they envelop this whole encampment. And St. Clair comes out of his tent to all this. He gets, he gets on his horse like a general should. He gets shot out from under him. He gets on another horse, shot out from under him again. He may not be a, you know, a tactically brilliant person, but he's not a coward. He goes off on foot. This, remember, this guy's got gout. He was in a wagon a few days ago. General and Gout. He starts, General Gout. He starts trying to lead the men in this battle, and he says it's all around, just firing all around. So the Americans do the thing that they think will push these Indians away, and that is bayonet charges. So detachments around this uh, encampment will form up. They'll fix bayonets, and they'll push down this hill. And the Indians will just shoot at them and then melt away into the forest. And Americans at some point just find themselves out in the middle of it, decide to turn around and go back to camp. And the Indians just retake their positions, kill uh, any Americans that are wounded, shoot them in the back. Um, and that happens over the course of several hours. Finally, the Indians make it, make it through into the camp and it's chaos. Now, to their credit, that's usually when the unit breaks, right? You have enemy in your rear. These Americans, they don't. Yeah, yeah but Buddy knows all about that. So, so go ahead. No, it's fine. Sorry. It's usually when when they break. It's definitely they a don't. thing. You got to worry about it. Enemy in I've never rear. seen anyone change camera angles so much as, as Buddy. He's all over the place. He was in a field earlier. Wild card. Yeah. You just I'm never know what you're going to get. That's as still as uh, he's been for any of our shows, believe it or not, Josh. He's he's a true boss. He's usually chocolate, doing seventy he? down the road. <laughs> Maybe he was the one who pulled the gun on you. Truth. You ever think about Fact. that? 
Negative. This guy's neck Negative. was thinner than a toothpick. No, if I, if I pulled <laughs> I will a gun, give Buddy one yeah, thing. He's respectably I, I pull, thick. Yeah, I pulled gun for I pulled gun for one reason and one reason only. Shoot it. And I have to uh, that's to see how how hey, fast I can empty that's it. That's in the that's in the intro. See how see how quick that ammunition's in there for a reason. Shoot it. Yeah, and I got plenty <laughs> of it. There's plenty of buddies back there. Follow them around. <laughs> well. uh Okay, we're at we're at General Gout. He's no pussy. Let's let's go. Let's yeah, go. yeah. So they 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 managed to push the Indians out of the center of their camp, and, and the center of this camp is just chaos. There's wounded being collected there. That's your casualty collection point. There's men that that sneak away from the battle lines to go eat the officers' rations in their tents. There's they find men just sitting by the fire, just like kind of just wide eyed, just staring off into space as this battle is going on around them. They were all um, E-4s that just probably. went off and were like, dude, we're smoking and eating. <laughs> they, they, well, they're getting yelled at, not by uh, Big Earl and other E-8s. They get yelled at by what remains of the camp followers. These women, these wives. The Dependas? Start screaming at these men because you they got see... Out. The Dependas are there. Look, my husband is a colonel. You get out there. Get you your ass out there fight. I know you're not sitting by this fire not saluting me right now. You better get the fuck up, son. I didn't marry a fucking lieutenant and stay with him until he was a colonel so that you could not show me some goddamn respect. Anyway, okay, I'm done. Good. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a very accurate version of probably what happened. Like they, I was going to say, that was loosely based on the truth there, wasn't it? That's what happened. I, I mean, seriously, they're, they're screaming at these guys who are just kicking it by the fire. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, because they know if this army fails, they're, they're not in a good place, right? So about 9.30, it's been about four hours after the battle started. Just more Americans, casualties are stacking up in the center. And they care. these Indians are not giving up. They haven't retreated. They haven't scared them, hadn't made them uh, leave the battlefield. St. Clair makes the only logical choice that he has left. He gathers what's left of the dragoons, the horses, what combat available infantrymen he can. And he does another bayonet charge. Again, the Indians think they're just coming down the hill. And they move out of the way. And as soon as these men see that the way is clear, they take off back to Fort Jefferson. They just run away, leaving their comrades, leaving anyone who's wounded, leaving General Butler, who gets wounded twice, trying to, to fight off this attack with a loaded pistol. Just They just left them all. And it, it's so bad. Guys will be throwing equipment, dropping uh, muskets, everything and anything to get back to Fort Jefferson. Uh, there's a story of a soldier uh, picking up a child. There was a small baby that this woman was having trouble carrying, grabs this child and takes off running with it, hands it back to the woman. The woman drops the child and takes off and, and leaves it. Um, there's a You can always have another one. Probably true. Uh, these... Uh, you know, as, as bad as this battlefield is, the Indians had a had a uh, strong tradition of taking, especially young children, and just raising them as their own. There are a ton of of white Indians that are living in this area uh, at the time of people that have just been raised and, and adopted into the family. So that's what happens to this baby. Um, there is a story of a man that comes across uh, one of his comrades with a broken thigh. And he, this guy's hobbling along this road. He picks him up, throws him over his shoulder, and the Indians are, like, gaining on him. 
And he's like, Hey man, I got to drop you. I got to drop you. And the guy's like, no, no. And he gets a death grip on him. And this guy has to pull out his knife and cut this guy's fingers just so he'll get off his back. Guy falls off and is like immediately tomahawk. That's how close these Indians are on their heels. And they run, they run back to Fort Jefferson, like 20 miles. The regiment that was sent back after those militia, you remember, to secure the supply wagon, they hear all this cannon fire, all this musket fire, and they start moving back towards the battlefield. And they run into these just, just rabble of a defeated army, just wild-eyed, not listening to anything. And the commander of that regiment will make the decision after hearing how bad it is not to move forward and try to help. Like they're still a few miles away. He's like, we're just going to secure the survivors. And they move back to Fort Jefferson. It had taken this army about three-ish months to move all the way from Cincinnati up into um, southwestern Ohio where this battlefield happened. And it takes them four days to get back to Cincinnati. They are hauling ass. They're running away as fast as they can. They get back there. There's no discipline left. They start drinking this place dry. And the Indians under Little Turtle and Blue Jacket and Bacongahelis have won a great victory. This is the worst defeat in U.S. military history. No one knows about it. Um, it is by far the, the worst defeat ever uh, put upon the mil American military by uh, the Indians in any of the Indian wars. We like to think of uh, Little Bighorn being the worst. That's a classic one with Custer. This was way worse. Uh, possibly like a quarter of the entire U.S. Army. What was then the U.S. Army is destroyed at this battle. It is a horrible defeat. Very embarrassing for the Americans. Very embarrassing for Washington. Um, a couple things come out of this battle that we still live with today. So there will be the first congressional inquiry, like House investigation ever. Yeah, what's up, is buddy? Santu, is Santu one of them? Is is that where we got Santu? Is that why I have to get up at 4.30 in the morning to go Yes, watch? and you have to shave. You have to get up at 4 so you could shave yeah. before Santu. So I can watch for Indians? Yeah, something about the French and Indians attack at dawn. Or, yeah. Idiots. Oh. Yeah, Santu. Santu is why you have to get up in the morning and try to sh shave your face when it's still dark. Um, but uh, the first congressional investigation will happen over this, uh, and they'll demand Washington's like personal papers to help them investigate and Washington will be like oh. there'll be a debate within his cabinet and we'll say we'll release the papers that help the public good but we're not going to release the papers that hurt the public good and this is the basis of what we now know as executive privilege um, that's what it turns into the right of basically the executive to tell congress to go f themselves I'm not going to disclose this information this is our privilege um, the Congress nice. will reform. <laughs> the Congress will reform and have a couple of militia acts that they introduce. These acts are improved over time and they basically become the basis of the modern National Guard uh, we get from this battle. Uh, it also finally settles the debate in Congress on whether we should have a standing army. A lot of these people, uh, a lot of these founding fathers are very hesitant about having a standing army. And, and thinks that, you know, a standing army basically snuffs out liberty and, and we're big fans of just militia. Well, this settles the debate. They actually authorize a standing army. They reform it and name it the Legion of the United States. Hell about yeah. 5, 000, about 5,000 men. 
they organize it like a modern brigade combat team almost. It's got like the units of artillery and cavalry. Funny story. Funny story. The What's Legion up? of the United States is now in Fort Campbell. Just to, just to tell you. No, no, they're not. Yeah, it's it is. Group. It's no, it's not. No, it's not. not, no, it's not. It's not Legion group. of the United States. No. We just took it back. We're taking no. it back. Take We're it taking back. it back. I like it. <laughs> oh, there's a kid there now. Uh, but uh, organize this army. The uh, the leader of this army will be General Anthony Mad uh, Mad Anthony Wayne, a respected Revolutionary War hero, and he'll basically only accept command when he tells Washington that hey. I'll take the job, but you're not going to tell me when I leave. You're not going to tell me when I'm ready. I will tell you when we're ready, and then we'll go back out there and try to fight again. Tell me Washington that. And Washington, those terms will be accepted. He'll lead Yeah, this. Uh, well, a real leader would accept those terms. <laughs> he, he leads this He leads this legion of the United States back up into the same area, back to that Miami capital, Kekionaga. They fight a battle near Toledo, Ohio, called the Battle of Fallen Timbers, and the Americans win. Uh, the Indians rush towards a nearby British fort, and the British lock the doors on them. And when they do that, essentially the Indian Confederation just dissolves. They don't have the British backing them anymore. Uh, and General Wayne builds a uh, fort right where the capital is, what they wanted to do. It's still there, and they call it Fort Wayne, Indiana. Nice. What general was that? Mad General Anthony Wayne? Wayne, yeah, oh yeah, his uh, he's there was a he's got a relative. It's, uh, they call him Little Wayne. He's a rapper now, <laughs> and, and another one called John Wayne. They're all yeah. related, I think. Yeah. John Wayne is not related to him. <laughs> oh, you just oh, triggered. You just, yeah, you gotta be don't, careful. Don't, you talk, you, if you tell a special you forces guy and you and you make fun of John Wayne, yeah, uh oh. Uh-oh, Don't you so. run your Texas mouth about Johnny Wayne. <laughs> yeah. We'll fight. We'll fight now. Oh, okay. uh, uppercuts. Uppercuts all day, Alabama. Um, but, but that's essentially how this campaign ends. The Americans now officially make their presence known in this territory. They sign the Treaty of Greenville, which they basically take two-thirds of Ohio. The British give back the forts that they promised to give back at the end of the revolution, and we kind of fully assert the uh, dominance over this area. Um, but it's not over and done with. It's very much like a World War I, World War II kind of scenario where all in the ranks of these Indians and the Americans are the next generation. And it's not settled at all. They're going to come back and they're going to fight each other again. And the Indians are going to try one more time to retain their land and fight the Americans off. And that's going to be my next episode of Bourbon and Battles. Nice, nice. Hey, so Bourbon and Battles, uh, Grunt Works and Trash Talk Nation. Go subscribe to Bourbon and Battles on all major podcast platforms. Hey, we appreciate it, Josh, having you on the show. Uh, so, but as we do in the military, let's uh, let's do a back brief. Uh, let's let's know what we learned today. Okay, so what did we learn today? All right, we learned that Fifth Group has taken back has taken the legion of the United States army. So now we will now call fifth group, the legion. All right. I, I think uh, buddy has just coined that. We also learned that Michigan still fifth, fifth group is already, uh, it, it's, it's already the legion. I've, I've learned that I've, I've learned that Josh can read an exorbitant so, amount without stopping. That was incredible. Right. How did you, how did you that? I don't think he read that. I think he read that either, Joe. 
I think that's he. That's I, what I, I'm I, saying. Like, like, how yeah. do I think just, us enlisted swine th- think that officers ra- read the stuff, but they don't. It just, that's a Rain Man like memory that you just yeah. that if you just did that all off hip, that was pretty impressive. Man. We we also learned that well, we some of us knew this already, but Michigan doesn't win anything, so you do Ohio. Uh, we learned that, so that's a good good point to take away, sustain, uh, and then it'll, also, and it'll be revisited. It'll be revisited yes, soon. It, it, <laughs> Something well, there you was like to a, make often. Yeah, there was a battle for Toledo between two states, and one of those won it. I don't remember which one, but uh, I think it was. Uh, turns out, Ohio. turns out the right state won because I wouldn't stop to take a shit in Toledo. Right, and uh, JS. We also we have a guy on the thread that we want we have to talk about. Um, I got to find the comment again. This guy's really awesome. He uh, said, "I bet you all are mechanics." So uh, he doesn't know how to spell mechanics. Oh, it's Galen Norton. Uh, hey, thanks for that comment, Galen. Uh, yes, you are right. We were all 88 mics. Uh, I am currently an 88 mic. Buddy is an 88 mic as well. Uh, Joe is a retired 88 mic. That's a truck driver, but uh, doesn't really matter. Um, but that's what we are. So if that that that's why we don't have any fucking idea what we're talking about on this. If that fits your if uh, that fits your if that fits your narrative, bud, uh, you can have at it. Sure, I'm an 88 Mike. But hey, go to our website veterantrashtalk.com and you can read about who we are. That's fine. Uh, we we lied about it because we don't. We're not going to say we're mechanics. I mean, fuck, dude, we're going to lie and say we're like Rangers and shit. I mean, we might even Pilots. lie and say we're. I mean, we on. might even lie and say we're Green Berets. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Buddy, but, uh, but, uh, hey, Ballard, Ballard, Ballard doesn't need shit if you don't steal it. You know what I mean? You gotta right, take exactly. that you gotta fucking you earn it, it, right? You gotta yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We also learned that gout isn't that big of a deal. So if you have gout, you all right, you can still it. fight you can still fight a war. Okay. You can still be a general. So out of all he said, that's what we got. Gout is not that bad. Michigan sucks at football. Uh fifth group is now the Legion. And we're uh, already the Legion. We were and already we're all, and we're all mechanics. Legion. We're all mechanics. So I like it. Um, hey, you know what? I'm going to put whatever spin on it I want, buddy. Okay. So you, you can say that you are the Legion. I'm How saying you just, ma- I'm just saying you just took it. So hey, go subscribe to Joshua Kaufman's uh, Bourbon and Battles. Go subscribe. Uh, I know that I'm going to do that. And because I'm kind of a history guy. And another main thing we learned the last, the most hey, important buddy, thing. Help me with this. If, hey, put your mic on mute before you yell at your kid again. You're going to look like an asshole to everybody again. I'm beating your yeah. kids, buddy. So yeah. <laughs> Hey, some of us have what? to sell a house. Yeah. So we're trying to move stuff at the same time. We do well, that's shows. good for some of hey, us. Hey, hey buddy, it's a, it's a seller's market, so just sell the and house. If, Anyways. And, um, if, I, and if, I, if this kid comes back in here and tells me one more time that the, the lawnmower is on fire, come on, bro. Just drive faster. Yeah. Um, so, again, the most important thing we learned, I don't think Bill's still watching because uh, he's probably drunk and passed out by now. But, um, Bill, the biggest thing we learned about this was that artillery is worthless. Okay. <laughs> they suck. They, they ruined the fight. The, the, worst, the worst defeat in American history was because of some artillery guy, probably a fister, probably a forward observer <laughs> who didn't realize that he wasn't covering dead space. Okay. So that's what we learned today. All right. Anyways, we will see you next Friday for UFC Pick'em, and then we will also see you uh, on Saturday for the Veteran Trash Talk Hour. Remember, send us what you got. If you have a business, we promote it for free. That's what we do. All right. We were helping veterans. You know, we're building veterans. All right. And then 
we as a community are the only ones that are going to make us stronger. So we, we did originally start and we're still on the mission of lowering the veteran suicide rate. And we're only going to do that if we fight the demons together. All right. So if you have a demon, bring it out, bring it out. We'll talk about it. All right. And again, our shout out to our sponsors, Ventura Training Athletics, 10th Mountain Bourbon, Zach Farkas and Nero Flow. All right. Thanks for all you guys do to help us out, run our show and all that kind of stuff. We'll see you next week, guys. Love you guys. Are we clear? Are we, are that thing? We're clear now? Clear. Yeah, we're clear.